When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. People think that oh you're gonna take this thing and then and then uh, you just be creative, you know. And I think most people have that consideration. Maybe don't really grasp what creativity is. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Ample Meal. Ample is a new entrant into the meal replacement market. So essentially, it's a healthy meal in a bottle. What I love about Ample is this is so much more than just a protein shake. It is a complete meal, including fiber, healthy fats, protein, and carbohydrates, all in a very convenient plastic bottle that you just shake it up, add water, shake it up, and then you drink it. And not only do you get hydrated, but you actually get a really well-crafted 400 or 600-calorie meal for busy professionals and athletes and warriors on the go. This thing is fantastic. I believe it's going to replace the MRE for the military because it's healthy. It's actually made out of very, very healthy, non-GMO, nothing artificial. You know, the fats are from like macadamia nuts and, you know, all sorts of good stuff in this thing. So, Terrific, terrific uh, new option for those of us who train hard and are busy professionals and sometimes just literally have to grab something and go. So at least we're going to get a complete meal now with Ample Meal. And listeners can use the code UNBEATABLE if you go to amplemeal.com and for any order over 50 bucks, you're going to get two bonus meals with your order. So go to amplemeal.com, use the code UNBEATABLE for the special two bonus meals. And trust me, I use this Every day now. It's, it's become my go-to, and I love it. So Ample Meal is awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Connor, uh, for creating this cool new food source. hoo out here. Hey, folks. This is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind podcast. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me. I do not take it for granted. I know you have lots of really important things to do, so it's really cool that you'd like to spend some time with us uh, week in and week out. Uh, really appreciate it. Before we get started, this is my drum beat. Go to iTunes, rate the show so other people can find us, and just click on the right button. So I think that'll get all five if you just click on the right one. All the way to the right. Just, yeah, just all the way to the right. That's the only one you need to worry about. Uh, I am stoked to have my friend Mike Bledsoe with us today. Mike Bledsoe, um, I've known Mike probably for like five years now or so. Mike is an entrepreneur, uh, runs the number one rated fitness podcast on YouTube and iTunes. It's called Barbell Shrugged. He also runs Barbell Business, which is aimed toward uh, gym owners in the CrossFit and and, uh, general fitness field to to, uh, up their game and to bring some systems in there on how to improve their business operations. And um, Mike is also um, committed to mastery and evolution. And so we're going to have a lot of fun conversations about that. And uh, I think that's where our connection came was initially through... um, Center for Integral Wisdom and 
you know, trying to find, find some wisdom <laughs> in the world. Trying to find the truth. <laughs> yeah, it's not the truth, the meaning of life. I met uh, you, Mike, at the Center for Integral, Center, Center, Center for in, Inner Wisdom. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> the Center for Integral Wisdom, um, which I'm no longer affiliated with. I don't, I don't know if you are. We can talk about that. It'd be fun. But that was about five years ago. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Mark won't. and I both got kicked out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I pretty much got, got a run out. Just kidding. So, um, yeah, welcome. I've done a couple of your podcasts. Yeah. And so it's high time that, uh, that I had you on mine. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, how are things going? Oh, really good. Staying really busy. Yeah. I think we were just discussing 2016 oh, was no joke. And, uh, yeah, kicked our asses. Yeah, I mean, you've been uh, hearing other people say that. You said it's, it seems to be universal. Like universal. Like every entrepreneur I know, uh, I, most of my friends are entrepreneurial in yeah. some some way. They got their asses kicked in business. They got their asses kicked in uh, relationships and and all sorts of things. And at the same time, because I, I completely agree with that. Like sixteen was a hard, hard year for us in a lot of ways, but yeah. also a lot of great lessons. And I felt set the stage for what seems to be shaping up as a pretty interesting, like pivotal year in 2017. Like a lot of transitions happening in our business, also in my personal life in terms of how I orient myself to business. And it seems to like be paralleling some of the things that are going on in our country and the world. It's like a, a, yeah. a moment of transformation. Yeah, I, I think transition at least. Yeah, I think. Uh when we're in transition, we're encountering things that we've never encountered before, so we don't know what to expect, and that can be really confusing. And I yeah, think that when exactly. that's happening as a whole, it's more likely to happen in our personal lives, too, because mm -hmm. we're getting hit with, like, new stuff. And um, I, I do think that's what's happening. We had a big transition in, in our nation, yeah. for sure, and uh, to think that that's not going to have an impact on the individual, if you're paying attention to what's going on, yeah. it has to. Some well, some people impact. more than others. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, from one of the things that, that we've talked about in the past and we teach is, is that, you know, your real life is on the inside and, you know, don't, don't let external events, you know, control you or buffet you like that. You know, it's, it's always going to change. It's kind of the yogic philosophy. Like, that's the illusion of reality. The real reality is inside. And, and yet there are people who are literally just freaking out about this election and the results oh, yeah. and trying to overturn the whole thing. And, and um, it's just interesting. I mean, doesn't that happen every four years? It does there, seem to happen every four years. The people that aren't happy just, with the result or trying to overturn the results. It or, seemed a little bit yeah. more vocal this time. Like, yeah. well, it happened, except for 2000, I, I guess. Mean, was it eight years ago? I don't know. Yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> it's just the pendulum swing. And people... it, it, yeah, it's, a pen, it's the pendulum swinging. And I think it's swinging really, really hard. Pretty hard. If you, yeah. look at, if you look at the two candidates from, from that were available. From far extreme to the other far extreme. A lot of people are trying to hang on and they just get flung off. Yeah, are we getting further away from the middle way, you think? <laughs> I think that's probably accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, that's what needs to happen. The extremes need to be explored mm -hmm. in all their glory and all their disasters in, in order for people to really appreciate. So the next swing... Maybe the next generational swing will be back toward the middle way. I think uh, when it comes to the politics specifically, I'm looking forward to a, a new system yeah. to emerge. Yeah. And so I, I do think that's happening. And that's why that's one thing that makes it easier for me to not be so attached to the outcome of Yeah, this oh, for game. sure. I'm with you. So this is a game over here. Yeah. And then uh, what I'm focused on is playing a completely different game. Right. And so 
there's so many people that aren't even playing the game over here that are caught up in it. Right. It's like, well, what game are you playing? That's the one, if you are going to get emotionally attached, that's right. the one to get emotionally attached to. However, I prefer just to try just not to be emotionally attached I, at all. I'm with you. I agree. I, I think I share a similar viewpoint there that what needs to emerge is going to emerge, and it'll emerge on its own timeline. And any attempts to kind of shortchange that emergence, you know, is just part of the drama, right? Mm -hmm. you know, I remember someone called me about uh, the Hamilton electors uh, involved in that and trying to get the Hamilton electors or promote them to... The Hamilton electors were the, elect, the electoral college oh, folks. They were thinking they could get... They had, he told me they had 50 who were going to... Try to swing. Yeah, who were going to yeah. swing. And I was like, you know, my, yeah, he was asking my opinion. And I said, well, since you're asking my opinion, now normally I wouldn't provide it, but since you're asking my opinion, I think it's frankly a bad idea because you're still... It's you a know, bad precedent. Yeah. It's, the system is chosen. It's the system we have. Let it play out. There is a new system, another system that will emerge. But trying to manipulate the system because you don't like the results, you know, it's just going to add more drama. I think it was, a, was it Bucky Fuller. He talked about building, like, if you're not happy with the system, just build another system. Build another system, yeah. yeah and then, so. but they, that takes time. A little bit. Yeah. And that, Couldn't happen I mean, quickly, though, right, when the conditions are right. Yeah, the, the, I got a question for you, then. Uh, in regard to, so, throughout human history, we've been able to identify a few different worldviews. Mm -hmm. Do you think that we're going to have a worldview shift in the next century? Like a, like, oh, for like sure. A, like you're a global like, worldview. Like from Galileo's, you know. Right. Uh, what is it? Earth? I don't know what the, what's the word for the I don't know. Earth revolves around the sun, or the sun revolves around the Earth. Which one was it? I don't know. <laughs> like I don't know what it's called. Genius here. What, <laughs> I mean, but we also have like different worldviews, like uh, like the worldview of like we had uh, kingships, like kings yeah. and lords and serfs, and and then we. Oh, have, I think like, that we're we're, sh we're heading toward a massive shift in global consciousness, and it's it's. And there's several forces at play. One is everything that we're involved with. You know, seven years ago, ten years ago, when I started teaching yoga to SEALs, I couldn't even use the word yoga. You know, mm -hmm. they would have laughed me out of the, the, the room. And now it's, it's prevalent, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's already, especially in the West, and California being the epicenter, a massive shift in consciousness about development and, and, and the, the ability for a human being to take control of their destiny and to evolve. Yep. That's new language, right? Our parents did not grow up with that language or any sort of that in their lives. Very yeah. few. So that's one. But not just the language didn't exist because the being empowered that you had control of your own destiny. Right. And was that not a thing. Wasn't yeah. a thing. So that's a shift in consciousness and worldview. And then the uh, technology, right? And so mm -hmm. the artificial intelligence and some of the movement toward brain. AI interface. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's very hard to, to appreciate, for most people to appreciate what impact that's going to have on what it means to be human. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, and then this whole, both of these and some other factors, namely the pace of change, are leading to, you know, this push against anti, you know, this anti-globalism, push against the one world order global you know, kind of con uh, construct which had been brewing in the liberal mindset for the last 20, 30 years. So now you see Brexit and the you know, EU starting to splinter and you know, the United States electing you know, <clears throat> Donald Trump and whatnot. 
And so that is a shift. Mm-hmm. But it, it's like we were saying earlier, I believe that's a shift that's a prelude to, to an evolution. Yeah. And, and so evolution happens in, you know, from a holarchical point of view, transcend but include. Mm-hmm. So whatever we evolve to will include you know, what happens on the right and what happens on the left, mm-hmm. the best of, and it will shed what doesn't work. So that's why I said my comment earlier, we need to explore. Like we, we explored some beautiful things that worked really well over the last eight years and then some things that were really, really didn't work well yeah. at all. Yeah, it's, and it's, we're about, it's been both. Yeah, yeah, it's been both. And so we're about to explore yeah. the opposite, right? There's going to be, like Trump will be a disaster and he will be brilliant in certain ways. And, you, you know, people remember him depending on which, which one they want to remember. That's right. And then something else will emerge. So that was a long-winded answer. It's almost like you're, uh, you're interviewing me for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would be willing to I back. do think we are. And it's not 100 years. This is like 20 years. Yeah, your listeners want to know. I mean, with, yeah. yeah, with technology and the way things are moving, I think people are going to be shocked at how quick things are, yeah. things are going. We're not going to need the, the rigid structures of government that we have right now in any country or in at a world order in stage we're going much more to back to local to peer-to-peer to technology enabled you know ecosystems or tribal systems right mm-hmm. and so like even though we geographically will still have borders and protections and stuff like that most people will identify in a different way i think i think over time the borders will kind of dissolve and yeah. because of that uh the tribal nature that isn't going to be geographically confined. And then, yeah, I, I, see, I see things emerging in a way that, that uh, the hierarchy is not as necessary. Like so many things are automated as far as right. like what's the best decision for the whole. Well, the great example of that is, is uh, uh, blockchain, Bitcoin, yeah. and what's happening with financial transactions. I mean, the banks are jumping on board because they have to because they're going to be irrelevant yeah. And so they need to be part of that system. I think, I think people get upset too. They're like, oh, you know, I was, at a, I was having a conversation with Daniel Schmachtenberger and it was like. Oh, we did a podcast with him. He's a smart sweet. guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so people get, it's like, are still arguing like communist versus capitalist. Right. And it's like, well, neither one of these things are, these are like old ideas that right. with tech, with the, communism and capitalism in their pure form do not exist anywhere in the world today. That's true. And, and, and the, the concepts that build those things are like, uh, just having those mindsets around those are necessary for the world to operate as it is now or was, but technology. And to to keep the institutions alive that are still operating today. And technology is gonna, is what's gonna allow it to change. So it doesn't make communism or capitalism wrong or, or anything like that. It's just that now that we have technology available, we, we have the opportunity to go way beyond that. So what do you think a post-capitalistic world would look like, or business environment? From a business environment? Yeah. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> I think everyone would be much more entrepreneurial. Um, I, I think a lot of things are going to be localized when it comes yeah. to yeah. physical items, right. like food. And, and we're, already seeing, we're already seeing some of it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the farm-to-table movement. Yeah. Well, you have that, and then you have Amazon, yeah. who in order to get something to your doorstep immediately is they got to have warehouses right. close to your, your physical location. Right. And so something like that. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, I also uh, envision there being a lot of the farming. I, I see cities spreading out and then... The farming going vertical. And yeah. Different. And then, yeah. yeah, and then like maybe between your, your and my house, we have a big patch of land yeah. or 
you know, there's containers that are, there's yeah. hydroponics going I, on. I met a guy yesterday involved in the Somebody hydroponics, was. and they're working on these big shipping containers, and you could grow a shite ton of food in these things. There's still some details, obviously, to work out. Well, they're the, putting them in L.A., yeah. like, so I know that they're putting these big shipping containers in L.A., they're stacking them, hydroponics, and so a restaurant literally walks across the street to get their produce right. and, and comes right back. So that's happening. And I think that's and the a lot of the cost structures there. So the entrepreneurs have created a, the efficiency to do that local again so that it's yeah. very inefficient to ship food yeah. across the ocean. Yeah. So the whole shipping industry is doomed. You know, I would not yeah. be investing in I the hope second so. term. Yeah. <laughs> and the first, but the, and I think this is like the first steps to right. people feeling like uh, people condense themselves into a city like LA. You go up there and everyone's just all on top of each other in New York. And they had to do this because you had to show up to an office to get it, right. to do your job, right. and that's going to become less necessary with augmented reality. Right. And so, with augmented reality, I think people are going to then realize they want to be in nature more. So we'll be mm-hmm. doing work. You know, we've all becoming more like Peter Drucker talks about. Like you have the, the I'm going to mess up the exact term he's using, but we work with our minds. Right. You know, it. We never stop working. I'm in the shower and I'm working, whereas. We rewind 100 years ago. Well, if you're not in the butcher shop cutting up meat, you're not working. You're at home, you're at home, you're working, you're working. We're working with our minds now. And we have these, actually, what I think will be fairly primitive tools. Like, oh my gosh, you had to carry that like box around called a laptop. (laughs) And that'll be really funny. And it's like, oh, now, you know, it's just like I got this contact lens or Mm -hmm. something's embedded where I'm actually working with my mind. And and my ability to communicate isn't going to be, you know, based on, how well I can even speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I can send you a, how I feel about something potentially, right. which would be, anyways. So, uh, how much how much of the business sector uh, revolves around communication mm-hmm. and then trying to enhance our words and thoughts so we can just get things done? And now, like I know exactly what it is that you want to accomplish and the things that you need. And I, I think a lot of the things that exist today are going to shed away. Like they're just. We're gonna have less stuff. Like mm-hmm. I think uh, we'll become less materialistic because there'll be less material things. Yeah, people become. I think Peter Diamandis calls that dematerialization. Really, isn't that a great term? Yeah, I mean, I, the I, iPhone is a great example. I don't have mine with me, but it dematerialized the camera. That's true. It dematerialized for a lot of people the laptop because you know I even use it as my laptop eighty percent of the time. Yeah, well, dematerialized a hundred different devices. And w- I guess what I'm thinking about is a little bit different. Is I think that. When we're in more of a survival mode, we're more focused on material items. For sure, yeah. So I'm and from then, a Maslowian uh, hierarchy of needs. We're all in self-actualization, at least here in the West. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if you're in Syria or you know, Aleppo, you know, you have some very serious survival instinctual needs. Right? That's true. And I think we're going to move more out of survival mode into creative mode. Right. And it's going to cause more creations like the iPhone where yeah. we'll have less physical stuff and have more access to the things we actually need and we desire. Yeah. And it's going to be a, a less cluttered world. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that the challenge that's facing the world is in the transition from now to that utopian view where everyone's an entrepreneur and their business is on their holodeck or whatever you want to call their, you know, their, their virtual device. And um, everyone has their basic sustenance need, and maybe even a basic universal income, which is now being tested around the world. And so, mm, don't need to go to the office, you know. 
We don't need, I don't know why Elon Musk is thinking about boring tunnels for traffic because in 15 years, traffic's going to be pretty much a non-issue. You know what I mean? But so the question is, what happens in the disruption, right? We have 8 billion people. I think population will start to probably decrease over time, but... Wow, you know, but, we got some serious strife coming in this transition. Well, jo- jobs will, because jobs are well, going to disappear. There's a lot of people they have, they've, they've decided or they've chosen and they've been taught, like, okay, I got to learn how to do this one thing. Right. I got to do this thing really well. If I do this thing really well, then there's a 401k yeah. and there's a retirement yeah, waiting that, for that me. That world has already changed. So, yeah. You know, after I've lived my life, I can then live my life. And you know, these are the mindsets that people are living in. And yeah, and things are going to get flipped. And what are we going to do? Just leave, the, leave those people out in the cold? Right. Because, you know, I, I used to be of the mindset. I was like, oh, we don't really need welfare. I don't really, I yeah. didn't really grasp it. Right. And now that I see how quickly the world is changing. Yeah, is, you can't change you have the to. entire educational system and re, you know, retool the entire world. Well, we're just, Uber, Uber now has a truck delivering things. How many truck drivers are going to be out of jobs in five years? Yeah, and those will be autonomous. Yeah, it's all it's all autonomous. It's all autonomous. Now, yeah. now, now you've got, you know, how many thousands of truck drivers mm-hmm. that aren't and going to have to work? Across We're going to need less fuel because everything's going to be delivered more e- efficiently. So we'll be burning less fuel to deliver things. Mm-hmm. Things will be made and stored more locally. So just from the transportation uh, perspective and transport mm-hmm. is going to change. I think I think people are going to want to travel the world more though. I think so too, yeah. Guess, Assuming it's safe. Yeah. Right? Because here, here's the other part of that is you give, you're giving I'm an people, optimist. I, people I think have everything a, will be safe. A lot more time <laughs> on their hands to, to be mischievous. You know what That's I mean? That's true. Hmm. At any rate, so I'm not sure how the heck we went down this road, but it's <laughs> pretty awesome. What, what are we supposed to be talking about? <laughs> I don't know. We got. I, I feel like this is okay. Well, well, let's, yeah, no, this is awesome. <laughs> this is the way we wanted to go. Um, let me ask you, though, some practical questions. This podcast episode is brought to you by Organifi. Now, we all know that green juice is good for us, but juicing is a pain. It costs a fortune, and it's super time-consuming. At least that's my story. Uh, I don't juice. So that's why I opt for Organifi green juice as an alternative, because it's super easy, super tasty. It's an organic superfood green juice powder. Just add it to your water and stir it up. It dissolves almost immediately. Drink it, and it will help sustain your energy throughout the day. It'll reduce stress over time. And best part is it really tastes good. So check it out. To get your micronutrients from a superfood green juice, use Organifi. I think stuff is great. Go to Organifi.com, and these guys are super generous. I know the founder, and they have offered a 20% discount to you on your order. So go to Organifi.com, use the code UNBEATABLE at checkout and get 20% off your order. And uh, that link is also listed below in the show notes to this episode. Organifi.com. Hoo-yah. Well, how and why did you start? Let's, let's, let's talk about Barbara Shrug. Because yeah. all of this leads, is going to lead us back to where we are, right? Mm-hmm. right? So the, the journey through the, the practical for us, if I could take the liberty to say so, is to bring us more freedom so that we can learn and think and grow, mm-hmm. you know? And so the whole point of the entrepreneurial journey is, in my opinion, is, is an urge or drive toward freedom. Yeah, I would say that's been my number one value yeah, most of my life. Like whether, 
uh, in my youth, I externalized that freedom, and over time, I've, I've yeah. internalized that right. that value, and it's it actually it means something di- different to me now than it did then. Yeah, same here. Yeah, and yeah, the so for a while journey, for me it was physical and financial freedom, and now it's more yeah. freedom of thought and yeah. freedom of movement and you know freedom to explore. So yeah. you were in the Navy for a while. When you got out of the Navy, then you is that when you went into the fitness business or? Um, <clears throat> What was interesting is I was always interested in fitness from like the age of 15. Mm-hmm. So I started picking up the magazines, going to the gym. My first client was my mom. I was like 15. Right? Yeah, oh, cool. I started training her. I didn't charge her though. She, she yeah. got away with murder. Um, <laughs> and uh, I ended up, uh, no, I, yeah, so I went to the Navy. I was in the Navy from 19 to 24. I got out. I had no idea what I wanted to do, as most people that get out of the military are operating. Yeah. I got out, I was like, well, I guess I'll go to school. I start with a business degree. You know, I was doing the business degree program. I did one semester. About six weeks into an accounting course, I decided that business was not for me. <laughs> business is dumb right. <laughs> because of accounting. Um, and <laughs> I could kind of back that yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Most entrepreneurs don't know accounting is not anything business. about accounting, no. <laughs> But if, Nor to, do you need to. I mean, not, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but for a college student, somebody who had gone from high school to military, and then you go to a college course that's, that's wrapped in this business yeah. name, of course, that's that's what that's what you've been told. Yeah, that's just how it is. Right, yeah. So I remember being uh, dropping that uh, class, and then uh, the only class I ever dropped, <laughs> and then. I found out there was these courses called exercise science. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting! I like exercise. This is dope. So I signed up for a bunch of those classes, um, and it ended up being that was that kind of set my trajectory at that point. I'd already mm-hmm. been practicing health and fitness, and, mm-hmm. and I'd been I, yeah. I was a weird kid. I like I downloaded uh, research and studies, and I was reading about endocrinology and stuff when I was in the Navy. And I didn't even consider it to be, I, I didn't recognize it for what it is now. Were you like, a bodybuilder at that stage? Yeah, I did a lot of like, bodybuilding, swimming, okay. running. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, I was just like, how do we get muscles bigger? Yeah. Uh, how do we improve the cardiovascular system? Mm-hmm. All these things. And so I started going to class and I, I really enjoyed the exercise science courses. And I do remember my parents asking, like, what are you going to do with that degree? And <laughs> other people were like, no career there. They're like, are you going to be like a gym coach at a school? I'm like, I don't know. Like, all I know is I'm enjoying this right now. I'm doing a little personal training on the side. Uh, and then one of my buddies who's a Navy SEAL uh, comes and visits and uh, over Christmas break. And he's like, hey, can you show me the Olympic lift stuff better? I'm like, uh, why do you got to do that? I'm like, you guys just swim and run and stuff he goes um, and I'd been studying Olympic lifting at this point and so I showed him and he does this CrossFit workout mm-hmm. uh, at the gym and I was like that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> little did you know that was a billion dollar industry about to be yeah, spawned, yeah yeah and so six months go by I'm competing in jujitsu and I'm doing weightlifting I'm, I'm basically you know playing at the different ends of the spectrum right, of what, right. what CrossFit might fill in the middle. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to try one of those CrossFit workouts. I was thinking about opening a gym. I'm like, oh, I'm going to open a gym. I was going to open a weightlifting gym. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't thinking straight. You never are. When you, when you start your first business, no one ever start, thinks their first business all the way through. They think no, they have, but they, they haven't. Yeah. So 
I tried this. I was like, I'm just going to do a CrossFit workout one day. I was hanging out with a guy who ended up being my business partner. His name is Rob. And we do this workout. Like, and it was Fran or Diane or one of those girl named workouts. And I fell in love with it. I was like, oh. Because it kicked your ass. It, it kicked yeah. my ass. Uh, and I also thought to myself, I'm opening a gym. And this is way more fun right. than what I was thinking of doing. People are actually going to do this. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to open a gym, what I'll do is I'll do CrossFit and I'll have weightlifting and I'll have powerlifting and all this, mm-hmm. I'll have these components. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got started is, is, uh, I was going to open a gym anyway. CrossFit just kind of popped Added up at the, the right time. Right. So it came into my consciousness in 06, you know, like that's int- exactly when I basically went to my cert and, you know, opened uh, yeah. US CrossFit, same exact time frame. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, like just hitting CrossFit was just hitting in stride, you know. Yeah, it was just it was. You could go coming, download coming. the PDFs yeah. online and what is right. fitness, what is CrossFit. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And so, <laughs> um, yeah, so we found about the same time, and uh, that's actually funny because so I opened the gym in '07. Yeah, me too. Terribly. Me too. Oh, terribly. <laughs> terribly. <laughs> I don't think we've ever made money. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. That's also that's also like the nature of an entrepreneur. It's like right. I start five things, one of them will make money. One of them might make money. Yeah. Right. So uh, I opened the gym. Uh, it takes me like a year, year and a half to even figure out that I'm running a business. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I was I was just running it like it was a club, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I started taking it seriously. And I, bring, I brought another business partner, Doug Larson, who's my co-host on Barbell Shrug now. Mm-hmm. And he, he ripped off these videos from Evan Pagan on Pirate Bay. <laughs> uh, I'm a, sure Evan would appreciate that. I've already talked to him about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like one of the first times I met Evan, I was like, thank you so much. And I just want to let you know that I ripped off all your shit initially. I think that's where we met, MetaMind. And Didn't I, we meet at MetaMind? It was MetaMind, yeah. yeah. It was at Evan's Evan, event. Yeah, yeah I right. let him know. I was like, I was like I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll do everything you say. Or every, every event you put on, I'm going to like pay for it now because right. I definitely ripped off a lot before that. It wasn't me. It was my business partner. I don't do that. That's funny. <laughs> but when you're, when you're like a, uh, fresh out of college, you have no money. It's like you're just like scrambling to figure out yeah. like how does this even work? And uh, but it was about a year and a half in. I remember uh, going to the SealFit website. This is what I wanted to mention. And we would have SealFit Sundays. Oh, no kidding. So we would pick out the hardest SealFit workout of the week, and we would do that on, on oh, Sunday. And we right. called it SealFit Sundays, no matter how much we had drank on Saturday night. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you a bill. <laughs> <laughs> So the, you still have that gym, but you're not really you're not involved anymore, right? No, my uh, involvement is a phone call once or twice a month, That's checking right. in on the uh, the manager and just seeing if there's anything that he needs that I can help him out mm-hmm. with. Yeah. So, so did Barbell Shrug kind of come out of that as an idea, or, or did you actually, like you said earlier, scope it out and say this is a this is the business, or you just start doing some you know podcasting? Yeah, we <clears throat> we started off by just playing around with some podcasts and. After I say we did five or six practice shows, uh, I thought, okay, this is going to be a good show and we're going to be able to build a business around it. Mm-hmm. So it, it was at the very beginning, uh, especially for Doug and I, uh, that we were, we definitely had our mind about us that we were going to, we were going to 
sell something online mm-hmm. and we wanted to create a business that was going to be much better than anything that we could do with the brick and mortar. So mm-hmm. we were doing the brick and mortar thing and that was one of those, the gym was just, uh, for me, was I see that this is a necessity, it's something I wanted to do and over a five-year period, you know, I had done it. I was like, okay, I want to do the next thing. Mm-hmm. So podcasting, I think this is going to help me get into the next iteration of the mm-hmm. thing that I want to do. And, and it did. It allowed us to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, we started running the podcast, gained an audience, surveyed the audience, you know, what, what is it that you'd want? like to see? What, what do you want to know more about? So we built products that suited what the audience we'd already built. What was cool about that, it, it's, it's the coolest business ever because uh, we built a show where we were just talking about the stuff we want to talk about, mm-hmm. which means we built an audience of people who liked what we were doing, which, which was just the easiest thing ever because we were just doing what we naturally mm-hmm. were supposed to be doing. Right. And we go, what do you want? Oh, that's right in line with the kind of stuff we like to do. Here you go. So you built them training programs and mm-hmm. nutrition programs and stuff like that. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. Awesome. Yeah, just online training programs. And and then you learn that a lot of these listeners actually are in business. Yeah. I'm struggling getting, just like you did. And so you thought maybe you'd provide some business advice. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I was getting questions about business. And, and one of the things that we recognized was the majority of our uh, audience was not business owners. Mm-hmm. And we were going to do one podcast. We're going to do one episode about the gym business. Mm-hmm. And during the show, it had become apparent uh, to me that this should be an entirely different show. So mm-hmm. I announced on the show that we were going to start a second podcast. There you go. And Doug's going, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, he was he was he was excited about it too. And uh, so we did. We you know we we spun off another show again, not knowing. I had some ideas about what kind of products we could sell that would make sense to. So, you know, if I put my effort into something, I want there to be, mm-hmm. there should be a return. There should be, uh, I'm going to give and I'm going to receive. And so, uh, you know, we started that show and we had some ideas and we definitely uh, built some business tools for gym owners over the years. And mm-hmm. then uh, over the last year, in the last year and a half, so we did that for many years. And then over the last year and a half, we've really honed in on like the business tool you know, a software. It's a platform too. It's a platform for uh, CrossFit gyms specifically mm-hmm. for uh, inbound marketing automation mm-hmm. to a degree that I don't think what people are getting as a CrossFit gym owner is unlike what anyone is getting in any industry right now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what, what's unique about it? Not to get into the weeds, but like, sure. How's um, it different than Infusionsoft or Entrepreneur? So it's built on the Infusionsoft backbone, like mm-hmm. the. Infusionsoft is the backbone. I see. And what is different is everything's done for you. Mm-hmm. So from your website, all the email automation, you know, over 40 campaigns are built in. It's customized to your specific business. We have lead generation and lead nurturing uh, built into the system to mm-hmm. where the idea is we look at your business as a whole and we go, okay, this is what we want your client experience to be from the moment they think about your business to the moment that they leave your business, they're no longer a member. And there's several different pipelines they could go down. Maybe they never become a member. We have an entire pipeline for that person. We have a a pipeline for the person who wants to lose weight, a pipeline for the person who wants to improve performance. We have all these different pipelines and we have really cool ways of finding out what that person's interested in. 
So we automatically build marketing campaigns that are like that target exactly what that person desires. And then not only that, it it allows us to even do that with Facebook ads. And, mm, that's cool. And it, what's cool about it is it's all done for not only you know uh, business owners can buy these tools and then mm -hmm. build them out themselves. And if you were to hire somebody to build these like to build it out, like all the copy and all the things mm -hmm, you would need, mm -hmm. be about a hundred grand for the system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we're able to lease it out at a, a fraction of the cost at 1% of that mm -hmm. um, per month, and like about basically a thousand bucks a month. And it, uh, because we are able to build it modularly. Mm -hmm. And then when we pull someone in, we go, oh, we got this piece, this piece, this piece. So how, what's the implementation look like? I mean, for, for a new owner? Uh, new, uh, they basically we interview them about their current business, and we and then we also advise them on what they might want to change about their model. Because mm -hmm. what's really cool about what we're doing is we are collecting information about the industry constantly. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's part of the way we do business, mm -hmm. and so we know what's working, what's not working. Someone's like, "Oh, I'm not doing this." We're like, "You have to do this," mm -hmm. and this is exact. And then and we're just building it as we go so it's mm -hmm. like continually it's evolving the system evolves mm -hmm. all the time it's continually getting better so uh we interview them find out how their business how they run their business how they prefer it because some gym owners don't want to do personal training and some right. only want to do group training and, and all this and you know i'm not the one to say that this is how you mm -hmm. should live your life mm -hmm. because or run your business but i'm gonna we're, we're gonna make like Oh, maybe you should implement this type of strategy. If you're going to run your business like this, here's a bunch of strategies that work for that mm -hmm. style. Mm -hmm. And so we have that and we build that into the system form. So we interview them and then we make suggestions along the way. They become very educated about business as a whole, primarily around total client experience. Mm -hmm. So they learn how to create a client experience that is going to be phenomenal. So, you know. Uh, so once this is, I mean, I imagine just like anything else, like, software solution like this you're not just selling them the system you have to you're going to help them set it up and then once it's set up then your time is yeah it's ready. a couple phone calls to get them set up okay that's it a couple phone calls and then uh they have access to coaches after that you know, okay. once a month just checking up hey right. do you know how to use the system if we notice they're not logging into the system what, is this called barbell business or what do you call barbell that? logic is the product. barbell logic yeah barbell business is the podcast and then Barbell Logic is a system platform. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I need to learn more about that. Yeah. So where can folks find out about Barbell Logic? Uh, if you just go to barbellbusiness.com slash logic, it'll, it'll be there. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you go to barbellbusiness.com, all arrows are pointing to that. So right. you can that's, hang out, listen to the podcast. Thing, yeah. You'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you in the funnel eventually. Right. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, I yeah. want to talk further about that. I'm not looking for a gym application, but that sounds really uh, valuable for multiple applications, actually. Yeah, I think uh, one of two things happen. Uh, either uh, all of a sudden the gym owner's like, I've got all this free time on my hands because a lot of things they were doing manually are now taken care of, mm -hmm. or a lot of things that just weren't happening <laughs> right, are, now happening. are now happening, and now more people are walking in the door. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. That's pretty cool. So um, this is going to... This is your main focus, I assume, for the next year. You said that there's some transitioning happening in 2017. Mm -hmm. You want to get out of day-to-day -day yep. management. And what's next for you? Like, where are you going? Uh, more shows. 
more shows. Yeah. So you like the creative side. That's I really like, what you want yeah, to do. Yeah, uh, very big on the creative side. Uh, I like being the face mm-hmm. of the brand. I like uh, being in charge of the message. The last time I saw you, you were moving away from that. What happened? I was crazy. I was losing my mind. Okay. No, I, I, I was, and it was out of necessity. I had to. You just had to dial in and focus on the business. <clears> because side. if I kept working on the creative side, then we were going to keep on making dozens of dollars mm-hmm. and right. working really hard to, you know, I, again, going to the financial freedom piece, right. looking at the freedom piece is like, yeah, I. You had to take care of the structure first. Yeah. So we basically back. had to step away from that get all the pieces, which everything always takes longer in business than you mm-hmm. think it's going to. Mm-hmm. So he stepped out. I thought it was going to be for a few months, ended up being a year uh, from the show. And then just kind of building everything in the background, putting other people in place. And now that, every, that all the structure is in place, yeah, uh, I'm diving deep into doing Barbell Shrugged again. Nice. Barbell Business, that podcast is better than ever. And I'm launching a third podcast because two's not enough. Of course not, no. Yeah. And that'll be, uh, that launches in two weeks I'm gonna, or three weeks. Uh, I'll be launching that in January. Um, I don't know when this posts, but it'll be after. the Bledsoe Show. Okay. So cool. uh, that is the ultimate creative outlet for me. Where you just riff on I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the internet will let me do, I'm going to do it. Right on. <laughs> whatever I feel like doing anyway. Right on. Yeah. I only publicly support companies and products that I personally use and have found valuable. So I wanted to tell you about Qualia. Now, I'm not a supplement geek. I don't find them useful if I'm fueling properly. But when it comes to my cognitive strength and brain health, I am excited about the emerging industry of nootropic supplements. I've been testing Qualia, designed by my friends at the Neurohacker Collective, for several months now. And it's on the bleeding edge of nootropic research and has become the one supplement that I won't go without on a daily basis. Qualia stimulates what's called broad-spectrum cognitive enhancement, which involves optimizing multiple cognitive variables simultaneously rather than focusing on a single variable. For example, it brings me greater ability to focus and makes me feel more connected while not diminishing my overall awareness of the environment. I experience a systematic enhancement of my brain's ability to take in and process information without any stimulating effect, which would make me feel agitated like caffeine, or depleted after the effect wears off. Now, for a busy entrepreneur and athlete like me, it's a no-brainer to invest in my brain health with Qualia. You can get on the Qualia bandwagon with me by visiting neurohacker.com, that's N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com, and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND15R, that's UNBEATABLEMIND15R, to get 15% off the life of your order. Trust me on this one, you won't be disappointed with Qualia. So, let's shift focus a little bit and talk about entrepreneurial creativity. Mm -hmm. In particular, how um, something like ayahuasca could stimulate Mm -hmm. that creativity. We had some discussions about that when you went on an entrepreneurial journey down to Peru? Peru. Peru with yeah. a guy, Michael um, Costeros. Costeros, yeah. right? And Michael was just written up in, so I'll give him a shout out, he was just written up in the Wall Street Journal, <coughs> or referenced in the Wall Street Journal in an article about uh, entrepreneurs seeking, you know, the plant as a, um, psychedelic plants as a way to, you know, stimulate creativity and to accelerate 
Business, I, I think, yeah, he's blowing up. So I think it's Business Insider, maybe Wall Street maybe, Journal. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be mentioning, but there's a major popular mag, like uh, one of the more popular magazines in the whole world will be publishing an article soon. All right. Okay. Which will be really cool. blow him up then. Yeah. I better get enrolled before that. Happens. You better. There won't be any spots left for you. <laughs> um, but you, you and uh, Doug went down. And yeah. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, so when people think about like uh, psychedelics, they talk about you know ayahuasca is like one of the more the ultimate this or that. I think most people when they think about Silicon Valley, they think about LSD or something. Right. And people think that oh, you're gonna take this thing and then and then uh, you just be creative, you know. And I think most people who have that consideration. Maybe don't really grasp what creativity is mm-hmm. anyway. Um, so when I went to Peru for ayahuasca, I went in with the uh, idea that I'm going to go in to optimize. I'm already good, good to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I got everything taken care of, and I heard that this stuff could help me optimize. And uh, when we got down there, <clears throat> far from, uh, I definitely optimized, uh, but uh, I didn't really understand how it worked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after going down there. Um, yeah, I guess I'll just share what my experience was, was I really dug into who I was and what shaped me to be the person I am today. Mm -hmm. And I think up to that point, I did a really good job of leaving pieces of my life behind. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had this experience. I didn't like it. Eh, Everything that's associated with that experience, push it it away, suppress it. Lots of suppression. And then, uh, so when I went into the, my first ayahuasca journey, uh, it's a, you know, so over an eight day period, how many ayahuasca, you know, experiences would you have? I only did two, just two, okay. two over a 10 day period. Okay. Um, well, we did one, these are big month. deals. It's not just like, you know, it's a big every deal. day you're going to pop some ayahuasca buttons or whatever the heck you call it or drink the, the tea. <laughs> and, no, it's funny, and people's ayahuasca experiences are so different. Right. And so sometimes people are like, I'm going to go down, I'm going to drink the brew six times in 10 days. Wow. And I'm going, I'm not sure it's the same brew I was drinking. Some are more powerful than others. Some, some shamans or ayahuascaros are a little more intense than others. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's just so many different variations, and there's nothing wrong with one that's more intense or less intense. From what I've gathered, that first experience was a more intense experience mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. and for a lot of the people that were there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a three to five hour journey. Mm-hmm. Although when you're in it, time has no meaning. Right. Uh, so it might as well have been a thousand years or an instant. And so what do you mean by journey? Like how, how, is, how is it a journey? Yeah, Are so, you going from physically from one place to another? Or? <laughs> I guess. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember... I remember uh, we're in the dark domed room and we go up there and there's this big ceremony. I drink the brew and then it tastes terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I sit and lay down. And of course, my, my worry before going down there is I'm going to throw up and I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're all worried about yeah, that. That's, that's the number one concern. <laughs> and then uh, I drink the brew and, and then... As I, after I taste it, I, I'm thinking, I hope I got enough because I don't want to taste that again. 
Right. And then I'm worried. I'm sitting there worrying. I was like, oh, I'm going to need more. I'm going to need more. I'm going to need more. And everyone's drinking. And I'm like, oh, I don't feel it yet. 20, like within 20 minutes, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I don't feel so good. And I lay down, and it just wants me to close my eyes. Like, ayahuasca just like makes me want to close my eyes. I clo- as I close my eyes, I hear a zzzz, just a buzz. It's called DMT buzz. Mm. And DMT is uh, dimethyltryptamine. And uh, it's produced by your pineal gland, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's a gland that sits yeah. right in the middle of your brain. And uh, DMT is produced in mass amounts when you're born, when you die, and in small amounts when you dream. Mm. And uh, ayahuasca's but ayahuasca has got DMT. plenty of DMT in it. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so you're drinking what it is that your pineal gland normally produces, and and it's from a plant, which is really cool. Right. So what's normally an endogenous neurotransmitter, you're now consuming exogenously right. and from a plant, not from an animal, because you're an animal, right? And right. so you're a mammal. And so I'm getting this plant DMT versus this mammalian DMT, which I think is a fascinating, that is fascinating. concept. Yeah. And uh, so you go on this. So I close my eyes, and then um, I actually feel like I'm dying. Mm. You know, I'm going, oh, I've been poisoned. <laughs> uh because it is such a different experience than anything that I had experienced in the 30 years of being on Earth, this must be death. Felt my body, like my body just didn't exist anymore. It was like, felt as if my spirit was leaving. And um, yeah, I, I dealt with a lot of things in my childhood. Uh, I, I would say that was, uh, I did two journeys while I was down there and uh, I dealt a lot with uh, religion specifically for me, hmm. which was where my, where I had pretty much gotten away from religion, like I was raised in a religious context. And then as I got older, I didn't really associate with it so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, this reconnected you with a spiritual path. It did, it did, it definitely reconnected. Yeah, I was, I would say I was almost like anti-spiritual up to this point. Mm-hmm. Right? I had tried magic mushrooms and stuff and it would, it, the mushrooms helped me see things more clearly mm-hmm. and definitely helped me out in a creative con- space and it helped me work through old things and integrate things. But ayahuasca actually went down to the core of what was happening with me personally. And so I basically got to see my entire uh, childhood and all the things that were good about it and all the things mm-hmm. that that don't serve me anymore I, I, I hesitate to say bad but mm-hmm. uh, all the things that don't serve me as a human being now mm-hmm. and help me forward and I'm able to go you know what I'm going to keep all these good experiences I'm going to take all those experiences that don't serve me anymore trash mm-hmm. and um, and then before that in, in a, and there's a lot of visions in this and as I saw I had this huge like good evil battle going on hmm. inside where I then realized there's no such thing as good and evil. There's mm-hmm. only what is. And, and uh, it was this spiritual, it was this religious context that, that kind of created this God devil characters. Right. And so I, uh, I, I was able to basically shut the door on this box called religion. Like, so I take my whole life from like the age of 15 and younger and I end up closing this box, and on top of the box is written religion. I go, what's mm. going on here? Mm. I was like, and I'm in space, nothing. I was like, well, there's nothing else to do. We'll open this box, open it up. That's when I went through and took 
all this stuff that doesn't serve me anymore, threw it away and took all the good stuff. And I actually got to relive a lot of really amazing times from my youth, which was really cool. cool. Times with my dad where, and he had passed. And so I got to like relive even those really great times with him. And when I went in for my second journey, and this is, I was just really confused after this. Hmm. You know, uh, there's a lot of processing. Two days. Uh, now, does Michael help process, or is that the ayahuasca, or did you just both. left to your own? Right, while we're down there, the ayahuasca is really helping make meaning of things, mm-hmm. and like he's usually asking questions. Yeah. He's not leading you to a place. Is that done in a group context or individual? In a group. So okay. beforehand, there's a, a setting of intention. Like, what do I want to get out of this? And um, on the back end, the next morning, there's a group conversation where it's an integration. Yeah. It's like, how does this apply to my everyday life? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I had this crazy experience, but how does this help me, you know, be here in 3D mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it be a good thing? So when I went in the second night, I went into this spirit world and I was looking for God and he kept disappearing on me as I was looking for him. And mm. then... I finally put eyes on him behind a mountain, and he looked a lot like me. It was <laughs> 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 but you know, it was it, it kind of the message I got there was, you know, you're, you know, yeah, you're right. divine and uh, not Mark divine, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but I'm a divine creature, and um, and I am tied to the divine, and and uh, you know that that to me that's what being in God's image is, you know, yeah, that's well. and. Um, I was like, okay, I got the lesson. You did tell me that I showed up in your journey. You did. You actually did on the on the second night. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what was that all about? Yeah. I was figure that out. Well, yeah. Actually, I'm gonna go back to. I'll, I'll hit that. But <laughs> I, I, I'm like, oh, the spirit world's cool. I'm gonna leave, and I get out, and I try to take the spiritual out. Like, I take the spirit world, and I try to put it in this box, the same box I had put religion oh, no kidding. in. Yeah. So I'm trying to put the spirituality in a box. At the the religious box, and then I'm like stomping on, it, and all of a sudden it pops out, and it's everything. It's the entire universe. I'm like, got it. I yeah, was like, true. that was like a big lesson for me is these are not the same things. You know, religion and spirituality aren't necessarily. Right. You know, they're not as tied to because as a child, as I was growing up, it was like religion is spirituality. Right. These are it's like the same exact thing. And so, you know, that's really when I, you know, I, my spiritual journey definitely started before that, but that was a huge leap in understanding. I bet. That's true. And, yeah. uh, and things accelerated quickly after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, during that, <clears throat> uh, so I was hitting like the big spiritual points uh, during the journey and during both journeys, a lot of, you know, three to five hours of visions. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember... Um, one of the things, uh, of course, you make meaning of everything. And I remember seeing the face of a wolf, and then it was your face. No shit. Yeah, yeah. And so it was. It was just. It was really, really interesting. And interesting. And um, the message I got from that was kind of like, you know, I was. I think even today, like I'm seeking, you know, people seeking people out who can teach me something. Yeah. And, uh, and you definitely, sh- like, the, you were one of the few people. I don't, I, don't, I don't really think there was any other faces that popped up. And it just told me, I was like, yeah, connect, keep connecting with Mark. Yeah, you know? yeah no, that's, that's, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's fascinating. This is the second time that's come up today, because la- last night, 
I had this wickedly intense dream, and I was basically fighting a fear wolf in real time. Like I was fighting this nasty energy of a wolf. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? And it was not not a pretty fight. Like I I was. I know a woman out in the desert, her spirit animal is a wolf, so maybe she could help you out. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe we should go talk to her. Did she do ayahuasca? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's plan that. Awesome. What about, let's talk about microdosing. Because um, I've heard now from several really, really credible, like Ben Greenfield uh, at our recent retreat was talking about um, microdosing with mushrooms as being really effective way, you know, to stimulate uh, cognition and also to, to help the um, blood-brain barrier. We're talking, one of his topics was, you know, how to keep this, you know, just like your gut uh, blood barrier, or the gut, what, what do you call that, um, gut health for, no. at any rate, the membrane around our brain, you can get a leaky brain, right, leaky brain membrane, and so um, the mushrooms apparently help your membrane be strong and heal. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Amongst other benefits. Yeah, I have found psilocybin specifically can help uh, neuroplasticity and help. Uh, and that just means help the, the brain and the neurons. The, the brain, uh, part of what the brain is made of is neurons and, right. and, um, uh, and a few other things. And uh, it allows neurons to break off and reconnect. Mm-hmm. And so things that are normally super hardwired. So the more you think and feel about a thing, the more connected yeah, the those more neurons become. And psilocybin is an interesting, uh, along, it's very... Psilocybin is a, is a mushroom. Psilocybin a comes from the mushroom, and it's okay. very similar to DMT. Okay. Like, they're like brother and sister. And so, uh, it allows that more neuroplasticity, so neurons be able to connect and disconnect. And there's been evidence uh, that, that psilocybin also increases gray matter density. So, mm. it can, uh, in, you know, improve... The health, the physiological health of your brain. So what mm-hmm. he was saying, I think, is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think there's a few things out there that do that. And mm-hmm. you know, it was only 10, 20 years ago that we thought, okay, if you if you experience nerve or brain damage of any sort, it's permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, this whole idea of neuroplasticity is very, very new. Mm-hmm. And right. the more that we believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. the more neuroplastic the mind and the brain becomes. So yeah. uh, it's, it's really, really funny is, you know, uh, what, the, what the mind believes will be produced in its environment, including the hardware that is the brain that consciousness is out, right. resides on, right? right. And so uh, the software impacts the hardware. Right. It's, right. Not a, it's not a computer and an operating system. Right. The operating system can change the hardware and vice versa the hardware can change the software it's one system and so from a and you could argue that consciousness and and the software are actually not the same thing you could argue that yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you know consciousness or your spiritual self influences the software which then influences the hardware yeah and if you've ever had the experience of stepping outside of yourself right. and then observing your mind at right. work then yeah. that would be easy to accept to be true. Right. Yeah, and then from that perspective, you can then have shifts, make very conscious shifts in awareness. Right. Yeah, so anyways. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, which rabbit hole could we go down now? Um, 
But yeah, psilocybin. Already stuck in a I found that you know, there's just a few really simple things that people should be considering if they want to increase, uh, improve their brain health. Um, just something with simple things like DHA, which is found in fish oil. So you have mm-hmm. DHA and EPA. Right. EPA is the anti-inflammatory part of an omega-3. DHA is this, you can also find it in some plant-based right. uh, supplements. Mm-hmm. But there's your brain has building blocks, just like your muscles have building blocks and we can impact those. Um, and some things are going to stimulate growth and some things are going to retard growth. And mm-hmm. a lot of what's happening with microdosing with psilocybin, LSD. So do you think uh, these are going to be legal soon enough to where, you know, like you can go into a, a bulletproof <coughs> store and get some, so, you know? so what's happened is, is the DEA has done a really fantastic job of classifying these, uh, things as schedule one, Drugs, which makes no sense at all when you look at the definition of what Schedule 1 is. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, they just scheduled uh, CBD, cannabidiol, as a Schedule 1, which I think they're, again, I think the pendulum swung really hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're reaching. They're trying to regain control. I think think it's about... What is CBD? uh, Cannabidiol. It's the non-psychoactive part of the cannabis uh, plant. Oh, really? It also has... the, so the endocannabinoid uh, system in the body is the most prominent, and uh, so you can your body produce, produces cannabinoids, and mm. uh, and you can also consume it exogenously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cannabis plant has a lot of these, mm-hmm. and so we can get oils out of these certain things. There's about thirty or forty different oils that we can extract at this point and have health benefits that are not psychoactive. THC is the one compound in cannabis that is, that's the psychoactive part. That's the part you smoke it, you get high. Everything else, not necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you consume these things, they bind to the cell receptors and really amazing things happen, like like cancer goes away. Mm. And uh, I'm not going to make any too many wild claims because the research is limited due to the fact that Mm -hmm. You can't it's research it. right? It's you hard to ban it. Schedule One drugs. Yeah, it's hard uh, to test them. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Uh, a lot of the things that people would be microdosing with are not uh, allowed to be. So, what's really interesting is so because we've banned these plants, and we say, okay, this fungus or this plant, you can't consume these, you can't grow these. So, what's happening now is in labs in different places uh, at universities. They're, they are now creating things that are, I don't know if I would call it better, but I would call them more powerful. Mm-hmm. And so what we're seeing emerge is uh, there's definitely, um, what we're going to see is what happened with, say, say LSD was discovered, you know, 30s or 40s, and uh, started being used recreationally. Mm-hmm. And so it got banned. And so what you're going to see happen is you're going to see these compounds being created and use exclusively for microdosing. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do any megadosing at all because they don't want to risk of getting banned. Mm-hmm. And so uh, things that are much more powerful than psilocybin or LSD are already available. Interesting. If you if you're in the right study, <laughs> right? So yeah. there's some very interesting things out there and that are highly beneficial and they're not that well researched. So if someone is playing around with and using these things that are more powerful that are being created right now, 
they are doing studies on it. It's being researched, but you're playing with a research chemical right. at this point. And what's what's really sad to me is psilocybin coming from a fungus is not a research chemical, and yeah. we know that it's extremely safe, it's a plant. helpful, and effective. Mm-hmm. And it's art of you know a group of people have decided that it's not a good idea. So yeah, well, now people are going to change. Yeah. Well, it's going to well, you know uh, human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, we take this away, so now we're going to go to this, which is now now we're going to more synthetic. Mm-hmm research chemicals that are a little bit harder to predict mm-hmm. on you know, yeah. what, could, what the potential side effects might be. But overall, I think microdosing can be really beneficial. So since, you know, for the average listener um, who's not going to go to Peru and, or not going to risk buying a bag of buds, um, nootropics is a, another area that's kind of emerged as mm-hmm. a, a way to kind of affect cognition and improve brain health. Yeah. And you and I have both experimented with qualia. Yeah. So what, tell us about your experience and, you know, kind of reinforce that with mine. Yeah, and I actually was playing with nootropics before I even you were, yeah. thought about, like, eating a mushroom or going to Peru. Oh, is that right? Alaska, yeah, so, so it's been, they've been around for a while. I thought so, it was a relatively new field. Uh, it is, I would say, <coughs> uh, I, I started using the term, no, I started hearing the term nootropic in maybe 2012, 2013. Right. Um, and then I realized that I'd been buying some stuff online that would, that would fall into that category. Right. Makes sense. Uh, okay. So I was buying things to try to f- clear the fog so I could think more clearly and get more mm-hmm. work done mm-hmm. because I didn't want to take Adderall. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, of, a lot of my friends, entrepreneurs, would take Adderall to get shit done. And there was just something going off in my head saying, that's not a good idea. Yeah. It's yeah, not a, and it's not a good idea. It's a terrible idea. We definitely have found since then that Adderall can really screw you up. Uh, uh, reduce your ability to learn in the future. So the longer you're on it, the harder it is to learn new things forever, which kind of sucks. Uh, which, if you're trying to get an edge, it's not a good idea. No. Now, nootropics come in, and uh, now we're getting some of the benefits without the downside. Mm-hmm. But then I start finding out, like, oh, if I take this, then I'm depleting this, and so now I'm having to supplement with this other thing. The next thing you know, I'm supplementing with five things, trying to, like, Balance everything. Is that what the no, term I'm not thinking stacking of everything. Stacking, about? yeah. Okay. And then I was like, and at some point I kind of gave up. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just going to eat real healthy. Yeah, you can go nuts <laughs> with all this stuff, so why not just get the nutrients? Yeah, yeah I was like, That's you know what? The way I I'm went. just going to get real healthy. And so I actually stopped playing around with them for a while, maybe a year. And then I met Dan Schmottenberger, who designed mm-hmm. Qualia. He goes, hey, you might want to give this a shot. I look at it and I was like, this already has a lot of stuff I was already taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of come up with like very natural supplementation stack mm-hmm. that help with my mental cognition. Um, that wasn't like super nootropic crazy. I'm not like supplementing with modafinil, which mm-hmm. is a pharmaceutical mm-hmm. drug. But uh, so I'm already doing this. Things like I was like, man, half the ingredients that you have in this, I'm already taking. And I can just throw this shit away and stop ordering five different things, and I can just take this. I'll give it a shot. And I started taking Qualia. And uh, my experience has been really fantastic. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, when I, the first week I took it, it really reminded me of microdosing. Mm. It, Is that right? And uh, I, I was like, it wasn't quite the same. I mean, nothing's ever the same as anything. I mean, of yeah. like if you, you, you microdose one type of psychedelic versus another psychedelic, that they're they're different. Now, Qualia has no obviously no psychedelics because that's all controlled substances, all natural and pretty so, high. Yeah. High so my, from what I understand about it is. 
the, due to the stack, the synergistic effects of the different uh, materials and how it interacts in your body, it produces a similar effect. And that is mm-hmm. increased cognition, increased focus, increased cre- creativity. Mm-hmm. What I'm super excited about is uh, I'm a better listener mm-hmm. with it. I'm a better, uh, I have more empathy. And I find that uh, things that uh, places I go when I meditate don't take me as long to get there. Mm. So my, uh, I find, which it for me is, you know, if, if we can make everything as quiet as possible, then we can see the effect of anything that's going on in your mm-hmm. life. Like, okay, let's see how sensitive we can become. And, and a state of meditation is when we can really notice. Right. And so usually, you know, if I'm taking something, I want to know how it impacts me when I'm meditating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I find that my mind is going all over the place and I'm thinking all these random thoughts, then I'm like, ooh. Probably don't want to touch that again. Mm-hmm. But if I take it and I'm like, I find peace. It's quiet. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it works. There's something, you know, I now notice that this helps me be more calm. Now does it help me do, you know, because that's not the whole picture. Right. So what I do like about quality is like consider it. It's the broadest spectrum of improving like the human experience that I've had so far. Mm-hmm. In a pill form. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, and some pills. <laughs> Without having to go to Peru. Yeah, yeah and well, it, it, it makes me operational. Like, even like if I go to Peru, it doesn't, I'm laying on the floor, like not doing anything. <laughs> right. Not doing a whole lot of Highly pod- podcasting while you're down there. Yeah, there's, there's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, it's inner contemplation is all that's happening there. But with this, you know, this is how I, five days a week, that's what I'm rocking now. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely do that, you know. And then you could also stack things on top of Qualia. Mm-hmm. There's not. Uh, I would definitely be paying attention mm-hmm. uh, and take. Um, my big thing is is like I was talking about being sensitive and, and meditating and noticing mm-hmm. what happens and how you're feeling. One of the things that I'm doing as I get older is how sensitive can I become to stimuli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is how little do I need to take of anything to feel a difference? Yeah. Because so many people just are like, you know, running through their head through walls and like, you know, it's the same guy that needs to drink 20 beers to get drunk, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, oh, I got to take, you know, all these supplements to get this effect. And it's like, man, you're just doing a lot to get a little. I want to do a little and get a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. And yeah. so uh, as I get older, one of the things that I don't want to do is overload my cells because there's a lifespan in all these things. Yeah. Like you only, your cells are going to replicate so many times and the gene's going to wear out and things are going to stop replicating and you're going to die. And, you know, there's not, death is not something I necessarily fear anymore, but the, I could die now happy. And I'd like to live a long, healthy life mm-hmm. if possible as well. Like I'd like to see us land on Mars possibly. And I want to, Every day of this life, I want it to be the fullest. So when I'm 80, I don't want to have someone else wipe my ass. I want to wipe my own ass. And, uh, you know, I have a robot for that. <laughs> definitely have robots. That would be automated by then. Don't be, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I, I want to be as sensitive to things as possible because if I can, if I can get more with less, then everything will last longer yeah. and be healthier. It's kind of like, you know, your knees for squatting. It's right. like, well, this is like, yeah, exactly. If I can the get same, stronger and squat same less, principles will be better. For physical training and nutrition applied to neurotropics and microdosing, it's like, do it, but do it in, in, you know, do it with periods of recovery 
You yeah. know what I mean? So that's why I you think... You heard the term uh, minimum effective dose? Yeah, the minimum effective dose. Find the minimum effective dose, do it, and then take a break and give your body time to, to recover from it. And Whether that's squats or right. running, you know, conditioning or, or mental performance. Right. Like, Absolutely. what? how little do you need to, to get to the next level? Right. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry, yeah, exactly. I love that. So that brings us kind of full circle to where we started in that really interesting uh, philosophical journey, which, you know, for some people probably felt like an ayahuasca journey <laughs> when they're going to listen. I hope so. Like, where, where are we going with that? <laughs> That's so what I was shooting for. The point is to upgrade our experience, right? And uh-huh. this, this notion that we, you asked me is, are, are we, do I see us shifting into a whole new worldview, point of view, like, what does it mean to be human? Yes, and all of this stuff is part of that, right? Changing our internal structures or, or helping to accelerate and optimize our internal structures, whether that be brain, gut, heart, and then simultaneously changing the meaning structures, right? How does our mind work and what kind of, you know, it's like what you alluded to as software. Mm-hmm. So software and hardware, upgrading that, and then connecting with source, so that that experience is infused with the spirit that you couldn't put back in that box, right? That's right. And then with all those, you know, optimizing, that's a daily journey, then the experience of life is radically different and much more interconnected and, and blissful and... Um, cooler. And cooler, cooler and more creative. <laughs> and so, like you said, people don't understand what creative... Creativity comes from source. When you get, so just when you get yourself out of the that, way. Right, get out of your own way and let it come through. And that's when uh, the yeah. genius really can that's right. come out. Boom. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Awesome. Ooh, yeah. So um, Bledsoe show, we're going to look forward to that. Uh-huh. Looks forward to that. Barbell Shrugged and Barbell Business. Right? Yeah. So if you're interested in Boom. strength and conditioning, Barbell Shrugged. Yep. If you're a gym owner, Barbell Business. And if you just want to listen to me shoot the shit with awesome people, which I want to bring you on that one, and we can just talk philosophy again. And get <laughs> we should way do some microdosing. <laughs> we should do something. I'm, not, no. I'm afraid some of the cops will show up when we do we'll it. We'll be in Mexico. It won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, lest you think I've lost my mind. Um, <laughs> That's the point, though, right? Losing point, your right? mind's a good thing. This is Mark what... Devine's unbeatable mind. I'm going to recreate my mind tomorrow because I do that every day. It's one day, one lifetime. Yep. Yeah, yeah. you're awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. So check Mike out and let's uh, have fun watching his progress as he uncovers the secrets of the universe. (laughs) That's it, folks. Train hard, stay focused, keep working on developing the unveil mind and evolving your consciousness so that we can keep pace with the world and with technology and with Mike. (laughs) Good luck. Boys, time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back. 